So, this is the self-development with tactics. Book. So, we are finally gonna go ahead with The Art of Hunting Humans, which is indeed a pretty cool and interesting book around how we are behaving, why we are behaving in certain ways, and, and all of these things that I'm in general very, very interested in, but it always takes some time to go through these episodes, and when I'm home quite late, you know, then I also don't want to shout around like a fucking dumbass and wake everybody up. You know, it's not really something that I'm up to, and not really something that I'm also looking forward to. But anyway, today is a good day, and today we're gonna go through it, and all you're gonna go ahead going through it. I'm with the ninth chapter or or whatever prelude to the chapter personal holy grail, quote unquote, um, perceived lack of power. Humans become angry or irritated or simply feel unpleasant sensations when they perceive that they can't do what they need or want. You will see that when humans feel powerless, they get unpleasant sensations, sensations, I'm sorry. And conversely, yes, conversely, when they get what they want, they feel in control and powerful, all pleasant sensations. Interestingly, when a human becomes angry in his day-to-day -day life, he usually can't see that the real source of his perceived lack of power or control... Wait, 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 wait. Interestingly, when a human becomes angry in his day-to-day -day life, he usually can't see that the real source of his perceived lack of power or control over a situation is, is, he usually can't see that the real source, blah, 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 blah. Well, anyway, our Asian brain hates not being in control. And it is something that I absolutely hate and I know that I hate it. Um, which is also one of the reasons why I don't really like drinking when, when I'm drunk. It still depends on the situation though. Um... Little story, when I've had my, I don't know what it's called, fuck, my uh, vacation with my um, ex-classmates just because we graduated, I don't know what, maybe there is a word for that, maybe there is some, some sort of a definition for that, but we went to a certain place and we've been drunk every single fucking day. It's one of, one of the best weeks I've had in my life, quite, um, even though I think on one day I decided to not drink, which was the second day actually because i thought well you know i actually don't wanna and yes they have been completely blacked out and stuff and it's not been cool um don't do that you know if you're drinking just drink as much as you want but don't black out and don't throw up and all this shit it's not worth it definitely not anyway um but yeah i don't i don't like not being in control i absolutely hate that and maybe this has also been one of the reasons why i have gotten quite angry um, in my last relationship that I had, um, my last and first relationship, I've been an asshole regarding to that. Um, I've, I've often been shouting, I've often been verbally, you know, I don't want to say, but I think it is the word that I should be using, um, abusive. And, um, I don't know, like, it is definitely something that I, that I think that I've worked on now and that I've, um, been able to also just, yeah, yeah, change, I guess, you know, but I haven't been in these situations, but maybe this has been due to that. I don't actually know, but just open my eyes a bit. This is actually one of the reasons why I absolutely love doing the podcast, why I absolutely love going through books and, and written words and written things in general, because I tend to feel like that I I can learn something and that, that often it, it actually happened to me that I have been able to understand things that I wasn't able to understand before. Um, this is an amazing feeling and it is an amazing thing just by going through some words and pages and whatnot. That's just how the brain operates. So it will send requests, which are emotions, for the human to do something about the situation and pleasant sensations to get him out. 
The source of the problem, as usual, is the perceived lack of control or recitation, even if it doesn't matter much. You see, humans feel good and more powerful when they can do or get what they want, and they feel the opposite when they can't. Humans try to balance a minimum amount of perceived power, so pleasant sensations, in their minds. As we said, lacking power is unpleasant for humans and sometimes they compensate for their discomfort by acquiring short-term pleasure or power from other things. For example, a human gets dumped an unwanted divorce, so he indulges in compulsive shopping to compensate. Or a human loses his job and kicks someone's arse in a bar to make himself feel powerful again. You see, in both situations, each human is trying to re-establish a perceived minimum level of power and pleasure. Perceived is a key word in our analysis because the feeling of powerlessness happens inside a human's head. The 10th chapter, Personal Holy Grey Vanity. Uh, to simplify several concepts, let's say that each human has a line of power. This line transfers, uh, traverses I'm sorry, between whom the human thinks he is, his self-image, and whom he wants to be. By whom he wants to be, we mean a super version of himself, or what he is on a quest to become. Like the crusader of old, every human seeks a personal holy grail, a dream, a super self, a goal. So there is the line of power that is the route to reach the holy grail. Just like a ship on a mission, humans feel good when they perceive they are getting closer to their holy grail, and bad when they perceive they are slipping farther away. Simple. The line of power is the rope that links a human's current self-image to his holy grail. In general, only, only things that relate to a human's line of power will affect him. Events outside it will usually have little or no impact. A human's personal holy grail usually depends on a combination of traits. His beliefs, knowledge and past experiences, especially childhood for example, it is the product of his desire to feel happier, safer and more accepted, etc. Whatever human's purpose is, holy grail, what matters to him is whether he is getting closer to, a, to or farther away from it. And we must point out that once a human has consolidated a goal, it is difficult to change his focus. So what is success now? The accomplishment of something, a purpose, a dream, is a simple definition of success, according to the human quote-unquote code. Success, it is just one word, however, look deeper and you will see that its meaning carries a lot. Every human's idea of success differs. Humans usually say they understand the different definitions of success, but they have enormous difficulty understanding a human that contradicts their own. Almost all decisions humans make, humans make are based on their perceived super self. No matter how big the dream or how distant the holy grail, what matters to a human is whether, he, whether or not he is moving towards it. Simple. And I do want to point out, it is not only about male persons, but it's also about females. So just because he's not pointing out she, I do want to point out that it's also about you. Because I personally care about that and I care about you as well. And I've once again eaten some nuts before I've been recording. And I just, I know that you also can hear that, but my mouth is very watery. And you clearly hear that, um, yeah. It's a different sound. It's awkward. It's bullshit. A human can desire whatever he wants and his desire will define the direction he wishes to go. Humans continuously bark up the wrong tree, so to speak, when trying to influence others. Beliefs such as his hidden associations, which includes suppressed memories and his holy grail become part of a human's identity. Human's vanity is central in their lives and it begins to form based on what they admire or are proud of. 
The Holy Grail is a goal, but the primary influence it has on human is the direction it leads him to take. It defines his vanity. What makes a human feel pleasant or unpleasant sensations? It's simple. When closer to his Holy Grail, he feels good. Farther away, he feels bad. And events outside a human's line of power usually have little impact on his emotions. And events outside a human's line of power usually have little impact on his emotions. Vanity practical tips. To become a great hunter, to become a great hunter takes patience. A few helpful questions are, what is the meaning of success for this creature? What is it proud of and what is its super self like? What is its super self like? Having a single specific definition of success is extremely risky for a human. For humans, a small bump in the road can pose a considerable threat and be devastating. Which is a fucked up thing, you know, really fucked up thing. But let's let me, let's let me, yeah. Let me just turn on the lights. Uh, Chapter 12. Skeptical to the bone. Self-interest expanded. Every second of the day that humans work, play, relax, sleep or do anything else, they are doing what they believe is best for them. A human's action always, always, again, always starts with self-interest, which is the lever or lever or lever, whatever, that drives them. Every single... Yes, it is lever or lever, whatever. Every single human focuses on what they believe is the best for them. Self-interest is the level that drives all animals. Our concept of self-interest. Three major things influence how the human brain behaves. The first one, human rewards expanded. The second thing is, it's desire to maximize good things and minimize the bad. And the third thing is, it's capacity to consider the long term. Which I'm actually a little bit surprised by since we often really do not care about long-term things you know you know people that are smoking and so on and so on and so on there's like three trillion examples of that but we actually really seem to care about the short term rather than the long term but apparently i might be wrong the 13th chapter survival mode fear humans most often live in fear that they actually create or artificially create the brain plays with a human's emotions to drive him towards the direction it wants One of the most potent emotions at the brain's disposal is fear. Fear is more than an emotion though. It is an unpleasant and overpowering feeling caused by a threat or anticipation of danger, pain or harm. Fear is difficult to ignore. Play with fear and you tap into the power of mother nature herself. Fear is a reaction caused by its brain detecting that its body might be valuable, vulnerable. Examples are anger, nervousness, extreme hate frequent anxiety, high levels of stress, or sometimes even aggression. Survival mode always starts with this satisfaction. There is, without fail, something lacking. So humans feel, what? So a human feels he needs something essential and therefore believes he is being deprived. The trick is that humans always think they need more than they do. Believe it or not, humans tend to suffer more from, it, from imagination than reality by creating unnecessarily high needs for survival and being afraid of not meeting them. When humans fall below a minimum level of resources, alliances or trust, they switch to survival mode and can't fully control themselves. I do want to point out that the quote, um, I think it's people, people suffer more more in imagination than in reality, which is by Seneca. And it is only a part of it. I know that there is a little bit more, I think, before this line. But I really believe in that. 
we really do suffer a lot just, you know, from imagination. And reality is completely something different. Reality is, you know, not, you know, we shouldn't be fearing reality that much. We shouldn't be fearing that many things in general. Like, like, I don't know. But something that just popped into my mind was, you know, should I do this or should I, uh, or shouldn't I do it? You know, what is more likely to be regretted, you know? And just because I see like, you know, we, we fear so many things. And then I thought, well, then it is about doing something or not doing something. So what is better, doing something or not doing something? And the whole problem is as well, if I say like, okay, should I jump out of the window or shouldn't I? Or should I stay inside or should I just jump out of the window? So it's, it's both like doing something and not one thing is, okay, doing it and the other option is not doing it. Um, and I think it is a difficult thing because not doing it, it, it is a difficult thing, but the question is like, what is the better option? Is, is it doing something or not doing something, which is also doing something, but something different? Um, I don't know, like, I kind of feel like that doing something makes more sense, even though not doing something is the completely same thing, and it's just kind of not doing one thing, but doing another thing, I don't know, maybe, okay, standing up for yourself is one thing, and, um, just not... Well, yeah, well, anyway, not gonna give you an example now, so fuck it. <laughs> um, da, da, da. Before pursuing his holy grail, a human must first focus on survival. He needs to feel his life isn't in peril, and for this to happen, a human must fulfill some minimum requirements. And when humans lack things, they feel well vulnerable, which leads to fear, anxiety, anger, losing their temper, and all that stuff related to survival mode, which is, as you know, lowers their rationality and control. Humans in survival mode, figure free the minimal level of requirements. Okay, naturally, when below the minimal level of requirements, the brain alerts an animal that its life is in peril. Once these minimum requirements are fulfilled, though, the animal is freer to pursue its holy grail. So the main differences between the two situations are as follows. When the creature is above the line, he chases what he wants, his vanity etc. Problems on the way usually cause some discomfort or disappointment, but nothing major. On the other hand, when in survival mode, when uh, where a creature is in desperate pursuit of what it believes it needs to survive, even minor problems lead it to lose its temper and become aggressive. Anything can look threatening. There's one big difference between humans and other animals. Humans are more able to think in the long term. The future influences them more. Unfortunately and fortunately. There are three factors that determine whether a human feels safe. Resources, alliances or alliances, whatever, and trust. There is a direct link between a need of control or for control and perceived vulnerability. The fact that some humans need to feel in control at all times omnipotent is a sign of perceived weakness just like inexperienced hunters need more food in the jungle. Powerful humans don't need to feel in control, they deal with problems if and when they occur. But I mean what is the fucking difference? Like I want to be in control and okay I am gonna be in control when it is the case. 
like what I'm seeing now is, okay, I'm not going to do certain things just because I know that I'm not going to be in control. You know, maybe drinking for me. Hmm. Um, maybe uh, some other unpleasant situations. Hmm. Could also be the case. A lust for power, a symptom. Is this the next chapter? No, it's not. But we're going to go through this bit and then I'm going to end the episode. Lust for power is an intense, insatiable desire to control everything, to be all-powerful. It happens when a desire or want for power becomes a need. What humans who lust for power are trying to feel safe, that humans who lust for power are trying to feel safe, therefore then their unquenchable thirst for power and control is a symptom and indication of a disease, a weakness, it exposes a perceived vulnerability. Humans manufacture a persona when they flaunt status symbols to increase social acceptance. They can use fancy clothing, jewelry or maybe expensive sport cards to encourage others to reach favorable conclusions to view them as successful human beings. I don't want to repeat this again because I believe it is something incredibly important. Humans manufacture a persona when they flaunt status symbols to increase social acceptance. Therefore, and this is the next paragraph, by the way, therefore, a need for alliances or alliances, whatever, can easily be confused with a need for resources because a human with more resources, like money, will probably be more socially accepted. Make no mistake, though, the luxury goods market compromises a significant portion of consumers who have an enormous need for social acceptance because of low self-confidence. It is not the objects these humans seek, but the fulfillment of their basic needs. Objects are a mere what? Objects are a mere means to an end. The tricky part, though, is that humans are oblivious to what is going on, and they confuse status symbols with the goals they seek. As usual, a human's brain uses emotions and desires to play him like a puppet. When humans acquire status symbols, they do indeed feel pleasure, and so they believe that the pleasant feelings are because of the object. In fact, it is their brain rewarding them for taking an action that will allow the brain to feel safer. It is as simple as that. As a general rule, the more a human relies on external entities, the more he is scared of losing them. As a rule, the happier human is with a compliment, the more he needs it, and the more he needs external reinforcement, the more insecure he is. Hmm. Which I do think makes sense. And there is some... So how much is actually left? Not that much. I'm going to go through the whole one just because I can. That's it. Just because I can. It is a bit... Though... Anyway... The 14th chapter, fear. Practical tips. An animal that loses its temper is vulnerable. Some other common signs that identify vulnerable prey are obsessions and escape to a new world. Yes, that's definitely the fucking case. The second one is extreme uh, niceness, a slave of acceptance. Maybe this is my fucking problem. You know, because I... A slave of acceptance. Am I a slave of acceptance? I just... I know that something is wrong. I know that I'm doing some things that I shouldn't be doing. And I know that I, yeah, I just know that I'm doing some things that I shouldn't be doing and I should do certain things differently. Not going to go into more um, detail, but I just know that. I know that there is something quote unquote wrong. I know that there is something going on and I should be doing things in a different way. Well, anyway. And it could definitely be about niceness because I actually thought about it and I've been thinking about it the past few days. I really didn't feel 
that good. Um, yeah. Extreme truths assert for certainty and drugs relieved by ignoring bad results. Well, vulnerable prey. An animal that loses its temper is vulnerable. That's definitely the case, you know, because this fucking animal is not thinking. The 15th point or chapter is prelude, the four characteristics. Most humans suffer from an acute lack of self-knowledge. Four characteristics of the human mind, comparison, adaptability, judgment and rigid rules. Or rigid rules, whatever. The 16th point is building a cage, the surveillance system. From childhood to adulthood, a human creates rules for uh, behaving in society. Moral standards learned from parents, religion, those in authority and even other kids at school ETC. The result is a quote-unquote guide to life with contributions from every human who has ever tried to make him behave. Remember, humans are born into an alien world. Rules reward with pride and happiness when obeyed and punished with shame and remorse when disobeyed. Humans judge themselves by their rigid rules and so they are too afraid to investigate their minds because they can't afford to stumble upon unexpected wrong thoughts and desires. Well, the 17th chapter is observe the query, time and resilience. An average human being would consider himself to be the king of his castle or his mind. Fair enough, more often than not though, mainly due to incompetence, humans are far from being their own master. They resemble clown kings, impotent rulers governed by dark forces that they are too afraid to face, even acknowledge. In general, humans follow the path below. 1. Outward looking. Humans spend their lives looking outwards and, repress and repressing dark thoughts. 2. Inner ignorance. Humans usually refuse to look inwards to understand who they are, their thoughts and what they need and also want. 3. Excessive comparison and adaptation. Which is, yes, excessive comparison and adaptation. Always looking for what other people are doing and then just doing the same and, I don't know, wishing for being accepted. The 18th, hunting guide keynotes. Just codes, which is the first one. Humans don't express themselves as clearly as they think. Their internal system is highly inefficient. Humans have no idea about how much their words reveal, like when they criticize something. Yes, you know, it's, it says quite a lot of things well, you know, when you listen to somebody and, and what they say, you really can hear a lot. The second thing is each human's reality is unique inside the brain. Every human is like a captain controlling a ship from inside his cabin, isolated dark room. The messenger translates everything that reaches the captain, everything and humans confuse information the messenger supp supplies with reality. They, in fact, quote unquote, see the world with their brains and not eyes. So humans project reality or hallucinate and what they believe to be real is highly influenced by hidden associations and drawers. Um, the third point is emotions and desires. The fourth is humans check off an outsider's point of view. Yeah, definitely the case. The fifth one is expanded self-interest. The sixth, fear and related feelings, then vanity, pride and admiration. The eighth is rigid rules and the ninth time to observe. The layer where the captain exists, squeezed by the crew. The thin layer where the captain exists. Uh, point one is the crew. Filters real what filters reality that is captured through senses such as eyes and ears. Decides the fraction of information to send, edits information using hidden associations and drawers, uses blame and denial whenever necessary. Yeah, of course. The second thing is the captain, thin grey circle, makes a small amount of the decisions and thinks he is in control. Crew, 
sends emotions and desires back to the captain while always focused on escaping fear and chasing vanity. Manages organs, heartbeat, body temperature, emotions and desires, uh, repressed memories. By the way, something that I'm really interested in. Holy grails, rigid rules, level of minimum requirement, expanded self-interest. The crew judges whether or not the animal is in survival mode, getting farther away from or closer to its holy grail. 19th point, the superiors piloting the animal. Superiors are scarce and enhanced humans are scarce enhanced human beings. Although they look like and can interbreed with regular humans, the distance between superiors and regular humans is greater than that between a human and a chimpanzee. The characteristics of superiors. To become a superior, a human must undergo an internal separation. A divorce between his captain and the crew. He must split the parts of himself that he can control from the rest, which he can only train or tame. By doing so, a human becomes a mere dot inside his head and he pilots his body like a spaceship. A superior recognizes that he and what he feels are not the same. Emotions are indicators, not absolute truths. So a superior pays attention to and questions his feelings as if monitoring a control panel and he reacts in a manner that he believes appropriate. Not how his crew wants, uh, sensations are advisors, not bosses. Superior realize that they pray they must observe is actually themselves. That's the prey they must observe is actually themselves. By exploring their thoughts and emotions, superiors escape haunting memories and are free to chase the future. Superiors know that as they gain self-awareness and discover what they want, it makes less sense to become upset by external things that are not real threats. By paying attention to and destroying wrong hidden associations, superiors slowly break the pattern of angriness commonly seen in humans. Uh, consequently, they hardly ever get annoyed at others. Superiors are secure and robust. Superiors need little and want big. They are free. Superiors don't have to live in poverty to need little. Having low minimum requirements is a mindset, not a bank balance. And superiors are actually often wealthy. Despite having low minimum requirements, these superhumans still search for the impossible without needing to achieve it. For a human to become a superior, he must dedicate himself to intro inspection and self-development also rather than adopt a pre-packaged super self-courtesy of his social group a human must create his own with a clear definition of success in mind superiors understand that self-investigation never ends with relaxed rules of acceptance superiors live in a zen-like state they enjoy self-exploration and due to the multitude of hidden associations humans face every day it is an endless pursuit which is the best part Superiors plan for the long term while aware that no human's lifespan is certain. Uh, superior's definition of happiness is inner peace, not strong feelings. Remember, humans are in essence animals. Superiors are masters of their minds, super beings. They are complete, uh, complete and have low needs and well-defined holy grails. And last, realize that this book is not a guide for hunting, hunting humans. Rather, it is my quirky explanation for why humans behave in the way they do and how their mind works. This book, from the point of view of an outsider, a visitor from another world, which I believe was necessary to expose human characteristics and the problems we all face. If you like this book, sign up at huntinghumans.com to keep in contact and receive updates from us. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter and take your time to leave a review with your favorite retailer. Pretty interesting, you know, you know because then they know where you got the book from. And this is actually it. Pretty uh, cool thing. Not gonna lie.
pretty pretty interesting and now i'm gonna work out gonna work the shit out of myself what is this one i know that fooled by randomness by nasim taleb nasim taleb actually a fucking amazing author really amazing but yeah also this book was quite amazing it's a 30 minute episode i haven't been recording that long in quite some time but yeah i wish you the best health wealth happiness and all success and also hope that you're going to remind yourself and you're going to be remembered it basically means your legacy basically means just being a nice person and then being remembered as a nice person which is a pretty fucking cool thing three other questions them have you are why I hear what I'm trying to change and what is bothering you the most is three questions hopefully gonna show you your purpose maybe even a business idea which is a pretty fucking cool thing three other questions that I have you are why are you here what I'm trying to change and what is bothering you the most is three questions and I've already said that but one last thing is what could you essentially say to another person that is indeed gonna change their life because I totally believe you all can say something that we all can communicate something that's indeed gonna change somebody's life and with that being said, I hope we'll see you the next time. So, bye-bye.